One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this particular episode is one of our deep dives one of our back to tanks of talk we are gonna dive deep into the big new high republic adventure the book the fallen star by claudia gray i'm very excited to discuss this very stressful book i'm joseph scrimshaw I'm Ken Napsuck. I went into this one uh, looking for hope uh, good times it was a party right I, I think i misread i misread the book jacket yeah, yeah, the the fallen star. I think you know there, there's some hope in that. It's it's got star in the title. That's right. That's hopeful. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was a cruise ship. Uh, you know, USS Fallen Star. I, 
<laughs> it is a book where I think uh, I think there is some hope uh, in the tragedy, but we will discuss that in great depth. Uh, we are as always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles and counting to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this week, shockingly, we're recommending the book that we are talking about right now, The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. If you uh, prefer to listen and you haven't uh, listened yet, uh, pause this, go get this from Audible, and then listen to our review. Again, you can download that by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. One more time, audibletrial.com for center for your free audio book. But Ken, that's not all. That's not all. We have another offer. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website. If you use this special link, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Inner Jedi Journal. Great book to take you through, uh, you know, trying to strive to be a better Jedi every day. Again, use that link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Lots of striving. We get to see a lot of Jedi who uh, really uh, could have probably benefited from uh, filling out the Inner Jedi Journal themselves. (laughs) (laughs) in this High Republic book. So we're going to dive in. Uh, We always want to warn you that we do full spoiler talk. So if you haven't read or listened and you want to, and you want the book to tell you what happens instead of us, this is a time to bail out of this podcast because we're going full spoilers. Uh, All right. I feel like that's a pretty clear warning, right? Yeah, that's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. Okay, awooga, awooga. Now we're going to get into those spoilers. Ken, uh, let's just talk about our overall reactions. You and I have both been big fans of this uh, High Republic initiative, uh, reading uh, uh, all the books pretty much. Uh, we're, we're struggling, <laughs> both of us, uh, to keep up with all of the comic books and a couple of the ancillary books uh, that we are not on top of. But in general, been big fans. What was your overall reaction going into this uh, big chapter in this ongoing story? Well, look, I, I, I'm, I'm being cheeky. I knew what to expect with this book in terms of uh, maybe some of the darker things were going to happen. But when you flip it over and it says, we will watch Starlight Beacon Burn, you're like, wow, all right, we're going in. And it delivered. Look, this was a great smooth read. Uh, no no secret, um, Claudia Gray is really great at what she does, and particularly in the Star Wars world, and this was no different. And I had forced, we, we kind of, pulling back the curtain, we, you know, we, we do get uh, uh, promotional copies of the book to, to read and review. Uh, we disclose that, but, but we have, we've taken this approach, Joseph, of we're going to, we're going to wait a little bit and, and read the book and, and get to it when maybe everyone's had a chance to read it. Number one, but at our own pace, that that's been really rewarding for me. And I, I forced myself to slow down for this one. <laughs> but that got hard. That got really hard. The, the chapters are short and punchy in the best of ways. And the story really moves. I hear old Alex Damon over there in Star Wars explain bragging that he read it in one day. I'd like to see proof of that. I don't know how that happens, but um, it makes sense. The amount uh, that Alex and Molly uh, uh, cover there absolutely speed readers. Yeah, so Alex, I'm putting you on blast on that one there. I don't believe that. I want I want time lapse footage of you in a chair all day. Uh, but I, I I totally get it. I could have. It, it felt it felt smooth, so smooth. And and I don't like ranking Claudia's work here, even though we do have a show Star Wars ranked here. Claudia's put so much great stuff out there into Star Wars. But this is up there with Leia, Princess of Alderaan for me, and Lost Stars. Uh, just beautiful writing, very visual feel to it, which is which is. Key for High Republic, because I think all three of the High, High Republic main novels, Light of the Jedi, Rising Storm, truly have had the feel of like a movie on the page, not just in a, a treatment. Uh, that can be kind of boring, but um, 
and not that the other books out there haven't either. I, I've, I've loved all the writing, but you know what? These three just, they feel like a movie trilogy almost. They feel, and we, it's connected to a larger story. This I know, but they just feel big and they feel epic. And this was no different. It was, uh, it was so, um, so fun to read, uh, which is weird to say for something so, so dark at times. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun to be this far into the initiative now where a little bit of the shape of it, uh, big picture, can become clear. Uh, since uh, this book was released, we got the news that uh, the announced three phases of the High Republic. Uh, we know that there are three phases. Phase one is coming to an end and phase two is going to jump back in time about 150 years before the events of phase one. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that puts it in this different context. It's also fun to get all we now have three, the trilogy of the uh, the adult books. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and to see that they all even though they have uh, three different authors, that it really does seem like a creative and editorial choice to have in particular these main uh, adult books or, or tentpole books. Uh, have that that adventure serial feeling of uh movie like pacing where uh these books uh these adult tentpole books focus on big huge events right mm -hmm. important events and other ones but these are like the the big marquee <laughs> tragedies the big three tragedies of the era right uh in the the shorter chapters that really make it a page turner where there it feels like written cliffhangers uh it gets all of that that feeling of, you know, let's race forward. We need to know what happens next. This huge cast uh, coming together, epic things happening. All of that great uh, uh, feeling, uh, punchy, forward moving, without sacrificing any of the advantage of the, the written story uh, mm. that goes into the psychology of the characters and their relationships. Mm. Yeah, uh, well said on just the, the feel. I mean, just... It, I can't explain, especially a lot of Jedi, but this one, this one right there too, where it's just like, I just felt like I was watching it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I thought, and I thought that was extra fascinating because as I was uh, zipping through this, uh, I was reading basically as many chapters as I could at night uh, before uh, being tired <laughs> from life <laughs> uh, forced me to stop reading. And I definitely had some like, I, I'm going to bed at 11 and I'm just going to read, oh, it's 2 a.m. I read, uh, you know, a quarter of the book. Uh, so I definitely had some of those like page turners don't want to put it down, which I thought was extra amazing because uh, there isn't a ton of conventional Star Wars action scenes in this. Right. Like Correct. there aren't that many lightsaber fights. There aren't that many chases, uh, you know, mm -hmm. any of those kind of things compared to uh, Star Wars in general, but also the first two books. So a lot of this. I, I got to flip the page to see how else I was going to do with his emotional issues or um, also just really playing that uh, very similar to rising storm. This is a disaster movie on the page, like yeah. those old disaster movies of the, that became very popular in the, in the seventies and early eighties. Um, it's got that feeling. It's also got that sense of um, Shakespearean tragedy. It's uh, it's revenge of the Sith where you know, what's going to happen. <laughs> the, yeah. the book is called what's going to happen, right? Like the fallen star and like the, the publicity putting out like, yeah, and, and here's a picture of it blowing up. It's going to happen. Right. So there's no question that was going to happen. The question is how, and how is it going to affect the characters and which individual character is going to live? So I thought it was uh, fascinating that it managed to be as much of a page turn as it is without stereotypical action cliffhangers yeah it's so so true uh yeah yeah the, 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 will elzar pull through 
flip the page to find out if he counsels himself or or like gives him the insight. And it works. Yeah, which so Jedi's well. going to go to the scary basement to face the creature by themselves in a way they obviously shouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that there. Yeah, the disaster movie connections are strong. Something Claudia has mentioned as well. Um, so is there, it's interesting if I, if I may give one big overall picture of something I, I struggle with, we usually go to that a little bit later on. There's some other things I'll bring up there, but, uh, if I may around the mm, mark, please, please do. We talk, especially when we do like book of Boba Fett or so we talk about, Hey, what, how did we watch it? What was the atmosphere? Were we on the couch at midnight? Did you wait to the morning? And what was your frame of mind going in? Um, when this book landed in my lap, I got to tell you, there was a little bit of, um, I, I don't know slight cynicism of, of the marketing. I, I, I'm with you. I'm never worried about knowing the end of a story in general. I think it was uh, uh, Laura Kelly uh, over at Force to- Toast Podcast says this made the great example to Titanic, right? You're not sitting down to watch the, the movie Titanic and thinking the ship's going to sneak through. <laughs> right. Um, you get it. And so I'm all about that. I'm all about, you know, Andor. I, I, I know what happens to Castian. I want to learn about him at this time. Uh, but there was something about, this is not to do, nothing to do with the book, nothing to do with Claudia Gray. Nothing, in fact, I don't even think I would market it any different. I just felt by the time the book got into my hands, uh, which was prior to re- release to the, to the general public, like we said, so a lot of tweets and spoilers and stuff hadn't found their way to me. I just had heard so much about this and almost to a point where I felt too familiar with the book that I was about to read, if that makes <laughs> any sense. I just got to say that honestly. There's, so there's a couple of times where I felt I was a little less affected, where other people might have been moved. And if you cried, if you read this book, all this stuff is 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 appropriate for this book. I at times felt like, Okay, yeah, yeah, check that off. I, I kind of figured maybe that would happen. Yeah, and, and I don't love that feeling sometimes. And it's easy to push past it. Uh, again, I don't know if I would have marketed it any differently, but literally it was almost like, who's going to die? Here's a poll, vote. <laughs> like it was, so it kind of, I just, it, I just seen that, I had seen that so much that I, that I almost uh, felt it affected a little bit of my journey, but not a lot. And the book is great beyond that. Yeah, no, I have I have two thoughts in, in reaction to that. One for me, when when the marketing was coming out, and by marketing again, I mean like the title, title yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the text on the back. I had so loved a Rising Storm because it felt like something uh, different in Star Wars of of the tragedy, the disaster movie in Star Wars, mm-hmm. and the Fallen Star coming next. I, I kind of felt like. I don't, uh, I'm not, I, I have to wrestle with how I feel about if the, the story of the High Republic is going to become, uh, hey, you love these characters? Let's uh, put them through a massive tragedy. Like all characters obviously uh, <laughs> exist to go through conflict and change. Um, but the this real specific, like, ah, oh, did you like that fair being demolished? Well, then you're going to love this <laughs> station blowing up and falling to the ground. And I was so happy that the announcement came about the overall structure of the High Republic, because then that made more sense to me. Of like, yeah. if the, if these three uh, you know tentpole books are you know not a trilogy, they are a trilogy, but the trilogy isn't really beginning and middle and end. This is the cliffhanger. Then we jump back in time, and then I believe that we will go back to this era of time in, in Phase Three. It made me uh, able to totally receive this book without having those concerns of like totally understanding mm-hmm. storytelling structure why why we're getting two massive uh tragedies in a row it's like oh because that's the part of the story we're in this that's the way this overall story is structured yeah and again it, it totally works i think and that fades away pretty fast 
uh, you know, if you're into it, uh, it popped up again a few times. And it was, again, it wasn't like I knew they were going to die. It's just like, oh, okay, we got to that. And, and then we want to see what's going on. But uh, yeah, and, and by the way, when I say marketing, a lot of that is just fans reacting to it, right? Yeah. And, and around the High Republic, there is this era of, Kevin, you broke my heart. And I do love that. And I love that. And I think you told me off air, Joseph, you're like, I think it was Kevin that tweeted out, hey, other things happen in the books too. I don't just kill people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, fans can get uh, upset too and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. not express that upset, that uh, sense of upset in the best way. You know what I was thinking about when you were talking about the individual character death? Like I, there, for me, there was the like, uh, okay, put the story in place in terms of two massive uh, disasters back to back. Right, right, right. Uh, and now that makes sense to me, and and I was able to in, really enjoy the book and its place in the story. But then there's the individual character deaths, right? Mm-hmm. And it it started, and I know I've said this on on reviews and discussions a bunch. It started with that great strength of you don't know who could die, and that gives it this kind of tension that right. Star Wars, because of it, the nature of its storytelling, has often not had. Um, and, but it's almost this like, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility thing. Like, um, yeah. uh, I really enjoyed the television show uh, 24. Plenty to be discussed about the, that show, good and bad, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, and without spoilers, if people have never watched 24, uh, in the first season, there's some shocking deaths. And it was really different at the time because, like, you don't get those on network television. Right. But then 24 became convinced that, ah, that's a part of our DNA is we kill main characters. And, then it wasn't interesting after a while because it's just like ah, that they killed another interesting person that they can never come back to. And I'm not saying that that's where the High Republic is at. Yeah, yeah. But I think for myself as a reader, I'm aware of that. Of uh, I wanted to always be character forward, not like that's what people have come to expect is the value is killing people. <laughs> so show up to see who dies. I don't think any of this. I think everything is fit in the storytelling, but I am aware of that. It, for me is a risk as a reader of how to approach these. I don't want that to become one of the staples of like, I can't wait to read one of those death books yeah, <laughs> where the characters I like might die. I'm happy that that tension is a possibility, but I don't want that to become a focus of that's what these books are for. Yeah. And, and there could be the big negative side of that too, where, where even if it's a, uh earned an earned death maybe there could be some uh, un, un, uh, unwarranted cynicism towards it like oh they're just trying to kill off characters where it's like no you're missing a great moment in this show too where it's like just yeah that that, that uh surprise death culture <laughs> yeah then like every every i really think a lot of these uh storytellers in every death felt like it was character-based story-based none of it mm-hmm. felt like it's been 15 minutes and the people expected death none of it felt like that to me um I, I I think also knowing that we're going to jump back in time also assuages some of my concerns about that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I just want thank you for letting me bring that up. I just want to put it out there. Just a couple of thoughts and feelings that I had through the, through the reading of it there, but uh, to not take away from uh, my enjoyment. It's uh, absolutely a great Star Wars book. We're going to dive into. Yeah, absolutely. A couple other just big picture thoughts that I wanted to share real quick here. I did like that it had uh, uh, season finale vibes, like especially in like the first couple chapters, mm-hmm. like, oh, this character's on the station. This ca- <laughs> The gang's all here. They've all come together. That was really uh, fun and rewarding for spending the time in High Republic. Yeah. And the other big thing that I want to be sure to, to shout out uh, so I didn't forget saying it, I just love the way uh, Briaga, the Wookiee's dialogue was handled, right? Mm. Um that there, that what he was saying was just translated by usually the way Bell, because Bell is the one who was talking to him, the most received it. I love that it wasn't, you know, written out roars or Bell half understanding or 
you know, mm-hmm. the way it happens with Wookiees sometimes of like they roar and nobody nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they said is just I love that Briaga had complex, nuanced thoughts, and we the the reader heard them because Bell's just like, well, Briaga made this really great point that blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and Claudia's great at that. I mean, the geode stuff still really works for me. It still works. I'm just really funny. Yeah, everyone's reactions and and the situation kind of translates uh, what what geode's saying for you. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, our, our overall reactions and it sounds like both of both of us sort of uh, navigated uh, some places <laughs> where we could give in to doubt or fear and uh, found yeah. a very good time reading this book. Yep, I absolutely did. All right. Well, then let's talk about if we liked it, why, what was going on? What are the themes? What are the big ideas? Uh, I usually try to break out some of what I think are the bigger picture ideas. And then Ken and I will go back and forth uh, sharing our feelings and thoughts on those. Uh, one of the really big ideas that I liked in this book, Ken, is that I think it it very much had a classic Star Wars idea of uh, fear versus hope that uh, mm bad things are happening or in the future right around the corner there might be bad things happening uh do you embrace that uh using fear or do you embrace that using hope but i felt like this book had this kind of slightly different way into that idea of fear and hope in particular that it is you know several characters handling tragedies and mistakes of their past or really striving uh to cope with the the horror of the present uh the characters have diminished powers and with these diminished powers they're they're really forced to choose between fear and hope in situations that they can't entirely control and all of that is really framed for me of this idea of coping with imperfection of not just looking at things with fear and hope but accepting that you are going to have to deal with bad things in the future in the immediate future in the past and in particular now, and you can't change everything, how are you going to cope with, how are you going to work with the fact that you have limited powers in the face of utter horror? I absolutely love that. I felt that a lot, especially with Elzar, Stella, and just that, that quest for perfection, uh, and, and and the horrors are going to be there. I, I love what you say, too, of just like, sometimes this, what is, is, and how are you going to deal with that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, some specific examples. Uh, we see early on that Bell is still really uh, processing Loden's death and whether or not he should have listened to his instincts and doubted that uh, whether or not Loden was truly dead, if he was going to be able to have saved him. Uh, then, of course, he faces this threat of possibly losing his new master, Indira Stokes. The thing he, he spends a good chunk of the book fearing happens. She's injured and he might lose another master. Then by the end, he's dealing with the possibility that he's lost his friend, Briaga. We said full spoilers. Uh, we also see this from Briaga's perspective that he does have to deal with the horror of, of losing his master. Right. And then still find a way forward. Yeah. Um, Stellan uh, struggles to accept his loss of control. There's early scenes of him, you know, having dreams of uh, who could I fail? (laughs) What if I fail? Uh, And I think uh, we'll discuss more his final act there, but really embraces the small amount of control he has in his final act. Uh, I think this big idea is really present with uh, everything Elzar Mann is going for, striving to accept that he has all these emotions, some of them, positive attachment, some of them uh, anger and fear and resentment and uh, all these things uh, that can lead to the dark side and that he has in the past tapped into the dark side. And can he 
uh, even allow himself to fully embrace the Force again. Even that uh, droid, which I thought was really great and really fun, uh, JJ5145, uh, their entire role is, how can I control chaos? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of comedy, but everything that every time uh, Stellan or Elzar has a problem, that droid's right, right there is like, I can I can make a spreadsheet that will that will fix this. <laughs> What's his first intro? Like, uh, you've taken three seconds to answer me. Is there something (laughs) bothering you when he first meets Stellan? Yeah, yeah, which I think is, yeah, very, very funny. Very funny. Um, Yeah, so uh, a lot of examples of that. Any any big picture thoughts on this before we dive into some specifics? No, it's just, I mean, this is, to make good use of this backdrop, which is this absolute disaster film, and and here here again, too, comes to the point of, like, we, we know... Just on the literal back cover of the book, we'll watch Starlight Beacon burn. Well, we got we don't have parties going on here. So how do you function in that? And and how when when you know something is going to happen, how do you survive that? How do you push through it? And how do you deal with what is? I I, I really absolutely love that. It's a big thing in my life too, uh, that I try to get better at all the time. And so it it was to see the Jedi struggle with it, to sometimes be frustrated with the Jedi and their struggles with it in this book. Um, was it was a good journey. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a super powerful idea. Uh, I want to dig into a couple of specific characters in their arc with this idea. I really think this this theme of uh, accepting imperfection gets set up so well by these great training scenes uh, on the planet uh, Ladalu, uh, where Orla Jereni is training Elzar Man. Uh, she's having Elzar do these handstands in the ocean, accepting that he cannot change the waves, that he must uh, work with them. And uh, throughout the book, then, he he has many success, successes taking uh, uh, this advice. He, he needs to step up to be leader. I think he really uh, uh, manages to work within the system and accept the waves. But then he breaks at the end uh, when he kills Chansey Yarrow. How do you feel about Elzar's journey? And, and what do you think in particular made him so so close to mastering this skill and then break so horribly at the end? Oh, it's a lot of things. Elzar has been my Jedi so far in these books. I've really connected with him. In fact, remember we were talking about we found out the title was going to be Fallen Star, and you're like, what do you think that's about? I was like, well, I think it's about Elzar. And then you're like, oh, it's Starlight Beacon might crash. And I was like, oh, oh that's, that's that's right. I've just been so clued in on, on a lot of stuff with Elzar. Because I, I just he's a, he's a soul that's firmly in the order, even saying here, I'm not, I'm not close to turning. I, I am aligned with the good, but but always looking to push things, his tinkering with the Force, I don't, you could say it's keeping, trying to keep his individuality going, uh, but struggling to connect maybe with something bigger, struggling to make the most of his skills, wondering where the lines are so big in this one. And that's where I think, um, that's where I think it starts to fall for him leading up to this big mistake, which I think I, I see from a big picture of it, his big mistake at the end, which is a slice and chancy in two as she's saving the day, essentially. Even mm-hmm. though she has this Nile pass, uh, when the pursuit of justice comes crashing into anger, uh, the desire to do what's right that is not bolstered by taking the time to get it right. Uh, it is uh, kind of using an old thought to combat a new situation. And and uh, going back, that training sequence is so good. I thought a lot about that handstand moment and what mm-hmm. that really truly is trying to say. And, and, and sometimes it's how you take it. But this idea of, well, it's the waves. You could say the waves are going to be there and the waves are going to take you where the waves are going to take you. So go with it. Or what she's uh, maybe saying here, and correct me if I'm totally off base, Joseph, what Orla said is like handstand, firmly plant yourself, who you are and what you are in that water, but you will be able to use those waves, use the force, use the energy uh, of that water to keep you planted there, but you'll be one with the water. You'll be part of the ever-changing currents. And there's something about that that I, that I liked and, and that Elzar is, is still a believer. He's right there. Uh, but he just doesn't uh, know where to draw the line and, and more thoughts on the line. But I'll kick it back to you for the handstand moment. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that this is why I so clued into this uh, idea in the way we're talking about it is, yeah, Orla's lesson to me isn't, uh, the waves are going to come, there's nothing you can do about them. Go out in the ocean and let them throw you al- around because you right. have no right. agency, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it It is sort of the opposite of like, you absolutely have agency, you as an individual, but you can't control everything. Mm-hmm. It is your... Uh, your role as a Jedi, your role as an individual to uh, be responsive to things that are around you and to know if you want to accomplish something that to be proactive and go do something, you're still going to be doing that within those waves, you know? And I think that is what's really powerful to me. Uh, And it's, it's that training becomes like a metaphor for what happens in the book of Mm -hmm. look, maybe at some point somebody could have, you know, ridden a wave differently and stopped this sabotage from happening. Mm. Uh, but not at the moment where our characters are for, mo- for like, you know, the big chunk of the book is uh, the waves are crashing down. The station is crashing down. And now you have to accept that horror and you have to ride waves or resist individual waves, but you can't deny the ocean. It's falling. It's happening. Now, what are you going to do with the power that you have and the tools you have in this moment? Yeah, if I made this quote, I thought was one of my favorite Star Wars quotes. Right, Orla said, you go with the flow, you move where the water takes you. Then you're surprised when you wind up someplace you never meant to be. I want you to practice standing firm against the water, not to reject its power, to to coexist with it, to accept it. Yet hold fast. Ah, man, put that on a tattoo on, on my uh, back. I, I just love it. And it's, um, I, I'm someone who's some, like, I, I can just let the water take me. And then you look around and go, I didn't, uh, this isn't, uh, this isn't my life. It's like a talking head song now. Uh, and, I, <laughs> I, and, and this was something I had to go back and, and, you know, at the end of the journey, you kind of see where Elzar ends up and have some thoughts on that. But then you go back to the beginning of what he was uh, being taught and what he was trying to, to master here in this moment. Yeah, and I th- I think what was such a great tragedy and a triumph about Elzar is I think he he really heard that and he he was I love that scene where uh, I believe they're on the vessel and Orla has a creative situation for what the problem is right mm-hmm. that she's really looking at the ocean instead of just trying to deny it she is uh, riding one wave resisting another but acknowledging this is the situation and not just trying to like you know force her will onto it and control it and he's like ah. Ah, there it is, not a is a lesson, but active. Mm. And I feel like once he's stepping up and taking leadership, you know, like when he comes up with the idea to like literally reshape the station right. and accept that we can't stop whatever those creatures are. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need this other help and we need to think about it differently. Every other Jedi is like, I'm a Jedi, let me go face it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that Elzar is like really, I think, absorbing Orla's example and going, that's not going to work. Let me literally reshape Mm-hmm. the station let me literally play with the waves that exist and the tools that i have which are the other people they're willing to help and he has a triumph in that uh that flex that he's got the agency but he also has also has flexibility within it um and then i think when he has that moment and he just rushes you know uh when he sees he's desperate to save people he's desperate to make a difference he's def- desperate to prove to himself he can right yeah. um and he sees uh, Yarrow standing there. I joke sometimes about the the Jedi uh, path being verbal warning, verbal warning, cut off a hand, cut off a head. Mm-hmm. It, he just skips past all that, right? He lets yeah. he lets the wave of anger just take him. Yeah, the water was taking him away, and he went with it, right? And and yep. blurred pretty fast in that moment. Yep, and he just he just jumped towards. I love the way it's written, where there's the sort of the rationalizing of mm-hmm. you know. 
well, you know, the, the, they're all the the Nile have they they've killed all this. This is where this is going to go anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Even if even if I had tried to approach her with a verbal warning, this is where it's going to go anyway. So I'm just going to jump to the satisfying, just ending her because that's where it's going to end up. Like yeah. those those assumptions that bring him to that dark place. Um, but I'll say that I think what one of the great things about the book is like that was probably the most effective moment for me. Probably my two twin favorite moments of the the training yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that moment where where Elzar fails and you're so rooting for him he's doing so well but I love that the book continues and he he gets back up because his story isn't about oh I have all this darkness in me and I fall once and I I pursue it it's I love that this is a story of like I believe in the Jedi way I want to use it for knowledge and defense I want to be a, a strong and helpful member of my community uh but i keep accidentally tapping into it you know mm-hmm. and the fact that he gets right back up and goes okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tell avar for sure but i don't have time to wallow you know yeah. i gotta get back up and keep helping people it, mm-hmm. it and it's it's like this tragedy that ends with this moment this very small moment of triumph where he doesn't let that horrific failure crush him mm-hmm. but he goes i'll deal with that later i gotta keep helping people <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, what is, uh, what is in the moment? Yeah. A lot of the stuff, I think, again, talking about these like boundaries and his thoughts on uh, darkness, always being with the Jedi and, and, and to acknowledge the darkness is to know the darkness, to know the darkness is to begin to control it. And that's a dangerous path. And I think uh, for some of me and some of uh, the journey I saw in him is he's constantly asking, where do you draw the line? And, and you don't know, you can't know. And, and to me, that's why you can kind of travel down that path and, and end up where he he goes, he, he slipped dramatically, but the, the slip could be slow. And you suddenly in that moment and everything in front of you, you act out of that passion and there's where the darkness can grab you. So I, anyways, I love that. And you're so right. And to con- be able to continue to go and deal with it. Uh, I love, I love when the, a lot of Jedis in, in these uh, high Republic novels have to deal with what's plaguing them. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I think uh, I wrote down this uh, from the uh, top of chapter seven, uh, it, darkness will ever be a part of me, he reminded himself. It will ever be a part of every Jedi, of every living thing. To acknowledge darkness is to know the darkness. To know the dar- darkness is to begin to control it. And he he knows he knows what he had to do, and he still slipped, right? He still yeah. made the mistake. It's it's great, honest character work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, any other thoughts on uh, Elzar's journey before we move on to Bell? No, no, just, but I, I, one of my favorite little moments with him is, is he is when we're introduced to the member back in Light of Jedi, I love that he was a little tinkerer with the force. Like, his mind persuasion. Let me tinker with this and see. And he kind of has this idea of, ah, maybe I should stop or stop for a while. And Orla doesn't want that. She wants him to continue to tinker. It's part of his, his journey, part of who he is, but to find the boundaries within that tinkering. And there's a little lesson I loved as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really look forward to hopefully uh, hearing more of that story and seeing Elzar return to his uh, his confidence in his force tinkering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, Bell is this great contrast to to Elzar, uh, as well as some other characters where I think Bell has great success, right, <laughs> with dealing with imperfection and horror. Uh, he uh, is plagued by things that could easily drag somebody down of feeling like, oh, I, I kind of knew my master was uh, alive and loading, but I didn't, I didn't let myself believe it. And yeah. he died, you know? Uh, but, uh, and then the, his worst fear is that something's going to happen to Indira. And then it does. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he, go, he gets some sauce in getting closer to Briaga and then Briaga appears to go, right. He has every reason to crumble. Uh, but instead he, I think he, you know, works with the situation he has and he finds a solution to save the medical tower. You know, he 
goes back. I love when he's going to go back and he senses uh, from the outside that fear of what and lack of force connection that the Mm -hmm. creature is causing. And I love how much he's just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be able to help anybody if I go on there. That's right. Nope. I'm going to turn around and make a better choice. And I feel like that's that moment of like really accepting the waves of like, yeah, no, I'm not going to. I, that, I, there's no point in fighting that one. That's a big wave. Take my surfboard elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that it ends with him in this such a balanced place of like, I'm going to keep hope alive for Briaga. I'm not like telling everybody you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm going to keep hope alive. And when I've got all of my other responsibilities taken care of, and when I, when I don't need to be there actively helping other people, uh, I want to go on my path. You know, this is the part of like, yep, the horror is all around me, but I'm going to be myself in it of, I don't, Bell saying, I'm not asking anybody's permission anymore. I think it's right to hope for your loved ones when you don't have confirmation. And I'm going to keep that hope alive. I'm going to look for him. I thought that was so great. What did you think of Bell's journey? Did did, uh, accepting and resisting the waves help him succeed? Yeah, it was a powerful moment of acceptance, clarity, fostering a healthy kind of attachment. Reminded me a lot of those Clone Wars episodes where Soka's missing. And there's a couple times that happens and Anakin, Anakin is unable to go after her, the big one with that Trandoshan hunt. Um, and watching, uh, you know, Anakin be faced with this this big, powerful lesson of attachment and how he often fails, sometimes succeeds, but overall we know he will fail. And, and, and Bell had... Um, I call it the balance of grief versus surrender. I think that comes up a lot in some of the things mm. he's talking about. And um, I think he looks at the Loden moment, which he kind of cons- considers, a, you know, a, a failure in a way, because Loden was reaching out. He was sensing it. Uh, and he just uh, didn't know how to find that balance, keep that hope alive while not um, keeping false hope for himself, I guess you could say. And 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 it, I kind of looked at it as he, he, ne- he neither let L- Loden go nor decided to help. It just was kind of like, I don't know what to do. And yeah. and that might, that, that, that he feels that led to his loss. And so he takes all different kinds of, of actions and you're right. He turns back when um, he's there and, and it coming to around page 54 is a great moment of this line. I'm not letting him down by missing him. This idea of bell on grief and that if you stay in, in grief too long, uh, then you are forming an attachment that is unhealthy. I wondered too, if you know, you and I talk often about Yoda telling the, uh, Anakin miss them do not mourn them do, do not and and sometimes it's you know bad advice or good advice taken wrong who knows uh, but it's it, it is an interesting question about Jedi and grief and for Bell to just have to have that all in front of him and, and find that balance of grief versus surrender was a powerful uh, storyline for me yeah I, I think Bell has been one of the most interesting and, and fun characters in this phase right where it, it starts with him in such a training mode you know that great moment where Loden pushes him off a cliff <laughs> you know uh, so that Bell can learn he can do it by himself you know Loden thinking like you're there you're ready to be a Jedi and Bell being like no I'm not not without you and um, I feel like this book he, he is really a lot of what he's succeeding at is trusting his himself. And making that step from student to to true Jedi Knight of Indira seems to have a lot of uh, belief in him. And he seems to just kind of take that step up and believe in his own instincts. And I think some of that is with Loden where like, you know, he was lost. He was young. He was wrestling with, I know I'm not supposed to be as upset as I am. And I know I'm not supposed to be so afraid of losing my new master. And I got to hide this from the adults basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to do what he was taught, you know, but I think a big part of that Jedi philosophy is you should always 
question everything, sometimes you'll find it was wrong or sometimes you will reinforce that, yes, I, now I understand for myself why we believe this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like he was just listening. He is just like the grownups just telling him like, Loden's gone. Right. He's in the force. This is the way to handle it. And for him to realize like, I had the right instinct and I was too busy just not questioning, but only listening. And I feel like this book, he feels comfortable going, yep, I checked with myself three times yeah. <laughs> and on how I'm processing grief. I know I'm not doing a bad thing on having hope for Riaga. I know I'm not doing bad things on really working hard to save that medical tower. This isn't just about, I can't deal with Indira or Ember <laughs> dying. Nobody could deal with Ember dying. Um, <laughs> oh, no. That it was about, I can work with this. I can figure out a solution and I don't need to ask any of the adults permissions because they're having just as hard a time as I am. I'm going to step up. There's a lot in his journey. Well said as always, sir, but a lot of his journey, and it's actually from Stellan, I think later on, uh, I, I've written down this note for him, but uh, you, you talked about questions, ask fewer questions, get fewer answers. <laughs> That's a big one for me. It's a big one. Yeah. And I love that about Bell. Yeah. And you're so, yeah, look, and, and I think I love when it's a little difficult for the Jedi and, and or when we're talking about Jedi philosophy, it's, it's designed to, you know, sometimes you got to thread that needle and, and for every, uh, every adult to be like, yeah, you miss them too much. Come on, you got to let go, let them go, let them go. And, and, and uh, to know that that voice inside was telling them otherwise. And it's, it, it'd be so easy not to trust that voice, especially if you're learning and uh, to have them go through that journey. And I think at the end of this to trust, uh, He's trusting a lot of the voices inside him. Uh, fear, move away from that monster, and uh, you know, gonna gonna hold hope for Bar- Bar- Baraga in the in the white, right way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't write this one down, but I love just kind of paraphrasing. It's like, yeah, there's Baraga would have to do this to survive, then this, then this, and it's like, but if anybody could do it and would do it, it's Baraga. So right, right, right. I'm gonna check it out, and if it doesn't work out, so be it. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really, I think in this, you know, dark tragedy where bad things happen, there's lots of individual victories. And I think Bell's is such a big one. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to move on then to Stellan. Oh boy. Uh, so Stellan really feared his uh, inability to help others uh, and to live up to the, the image, the poster uh, guy image of the Jedi. Uh, Orla uh, pushes him to question his identity as an individual because he sees himself only uh, in the context of being a Jedi, only in the context of being part of the Order, but who is he as an individual? And I think he he seems to have um, found that answer uh, when he sacrifices himself to make sure that the falling station uh, clears the city of Baraza. What are your thoughts on Stellan's journey? It's pretty great, right? It seems like I got you, uh, like you connect with it here. This, I, I know there's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a pressure of being an icon, um, and, and there's some energy that to, to Luke later on, without a doubt. Right. The, yeah. The being yeah. a myth living up to the legend. And I love early on. It's like, I think it's Elzar, uh, talking to him, but, um, on page 15 there, I think it is. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the council's made you a pole star. You are the poster child that comes up. And, and I do like that. Someone's kind of like, no, no, I, I, I get it. I get why I get why it happened. And I, I think that's a needed role, but uh, then, then you, this pressure of leadership, pressure of hero roles and, and how that might keep you from being you and making decisions that not are for you, but come from you acting like you. And, 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 and he found a way to do something from his heart and not for his order. And I think that's why it really worked for me. Yeah. I think, uh, I think his actual act being, so heroic, but also really made me feel that that theme of, you know, uh, coping with imperfection, horror, right? Like mm-hmm. in his ideal world, what he wants and what he has so much anxiety about at the beginning is live up to the poster image, make sure 
nothing bad happens, right? Yeah. We, the powerful Jedi, came here and we uh, saved Aram and uh, hopefully Avar is right, but I kind of doubt it. Right, right. <laughs> about Lorna D, but I also feel guilty about doubting her, but I just, I just got to stand up and be, you know, barrel-chested perfection, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he's striving toward so much. And by the end, he, he lets himself be, see himself as an individual, right? And he deals with imperfection of, I didn't want this station to break up. I did not want this station to fall. I didn't want us to not be able to get the thrusters fixed in time to get it back into the atmosphere. But amidst this horror, I still have the power to make a difference Mm -hmm. in this very specific way of save this city, save these people. And that's still everything to me. And I feel like what he did is he, he kind of stripped away that the, this is what the order expects of me. This is what I think a Jedi is. Everybody wants me to be their pole star. That's the way my childhood loves of Avar and Elzar uh, refer to me as. Yeah. Now the galaxy needs me to be that. And I think when you strip it all down, what I love about his his epiphany at the end there is uh, he maybe doesn't feel like he has any great identity outside of being a Jedi because at his core, he's just, he is a guy who wants to help other people. That seems to be like, who he is. And if he wasn't a Jedi, he probably would have done that in some other way. Cause that just seems to be like the truth of who he is, is as an individual, I want to do whatever I can to help other people. And that he found peace in that moment. Cause that's all he's doing. He's like, it's a, it's a terrible situation. Can't control all of it. I can control this little part and I can save people and help people. And I feel like that's who I am. Not the big legend, the individual who can do what he can part of part of something bigger too and this is comes from like elzar's path of uh with with orla but orla wanting jedi to learn and understand their abilities outside the force to know themselves to know their strengths beyond the force uh so all these jedi finding them in a situation where they're disconnected from the force in a, in a way you know and, and and that factors into what stellan was trying to do i think yeah and i thought it was really really great that like no amount of uh strength in the force is is what's going to make a difference in this particular Mm -hmm. instance it's just having the physical human strength to hold this lever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it's just this small human moment uh and i think that's is just really powerful and beautiful and i was sad to see him go no i no absolutely that that did uh, that was effective in his final his final line of i know who i am like that's that's a good line there um, and, and the droid JJ, I uh, love to say it and take it like, Oh, could I hold? Nope. My arms are too weak. It's gotta be him. <laughs> yeah. I uh, love that. And, and a lot of this connects to, uh, um, man, Orla's so great, but when she confronts Stellan on his thoughts on way seekers, which she is and how he resents them because he, they can find themselves in the force as opposed to staying within the lines of the order. And, uh, Stellan's never, never been able to chart his own path one of the youngest on the council ever uh, you know he's he's literally on the posters he's saving the chancellor he's all over the news holos like he had to be something else the entire time and of course he'd look at avar doing her own thing he'd look at orla doing her own thing and and, and have some resentment or uh, you know masking um not just jealousy but just uh, not understanding uh, their 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 own journeys there yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I was looking at some of my uh, notes sometimes, uh, especially when I'm, when I'm reading late at night, uh, I just take a picture of a page I like. And then I look at like, what did I take a picture of and why? <laughs> <laughs> when I finished the book, when we were putting these notes together. Uh, I had taken a picture of this uh, Stellan quote from relatively early in the book, page 90, about hope. Uh, this is what uh, Stellan's uh, saying. 
this is what hope is. It isn't pretending that nothing will go wrong if only we try hard enough. It's looking squarely at all the obstacles in the way, knowing the limits of our power and the possibility of failure in moving ahead anyway. That is how we must proceed with hope. Not only is that to me like a great definition of hope, that it's not this Pollyanna vision that right. everything will be fine no matter what, don't worry about it, la, la, la. It's the strength you need to keep going. But I love how this ties into Orla's lesson about the ocean. And I love that I feel like Stellan understood this enough to give that advice to the other Jedi. And by the end of the book is able to uh, act on his own advice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sometimes, um, I don't know, sometimes leaders, uh, this is a random thought, but sometimes leaders, uh, you know, it's uh, do as I say, not as I do. And then that's sometimes uh, bad done, done intentionally. And other times maybe as a leader, you just don't feel you can do that. And, and I think for him to, to, like you said, take his own advice was powerful. Yeah, absolutely powerful. Uh, we're going to move on to the next big idea, unless you had anything else uh, to say about this uh, big idea of imperfection. I'm sure it will come up again. I'm sure it will come up again. <laughs> uh, another big one that I think is is uh, pretty explicit is just this idea of connection, uh, both uh, lost connection and the strength gained with connection. It's been such a huge uh, uh, part of the High Republic, right? It's a common theme in Star Wars, but yeah. really underlined in the High Republic of that we are stronger together. We are all the Republic. Um but there are a lot of just images and blatant plot <laughs> yeah. ideas of lost connection and then uh, regained connection, you know, including the main plot. So uh, a couple examples uh, of this, of how I felt it just being kind of resonating everywhere, right? Uh, the saboteurs on the station uh, take down the comms and put up shields, right? Everything that they're doing to facilitate the tragedy is about isolating everyone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that the Starlight Beacon literally splits in two <laughs> and there's lost connection there. Uh, I love that the Nile attacks uh, that uh, Mark Yenro staged before the, the, the station even exploded were engineered to draw Jedi and Republic help far away from the starlight is another form of lost connection. Uh, of course, a huge plot in the book is that those mysterious creatures aboard the station cut off the Jedi from the force uh, and even kind of each other. So it's all about isolation. Mm. Uh, and I love that end beat uh, of the book that I think is also about this theme that several people, uh, it's, it's not just the end beat, it's throughout the book, several people want to share in Mark Yanro's victory. And they have through this whole thing, right, of uh, the, all of the Tempest runners who want to be involved. Nan, who's still drawn to him. Uh, Gira Staros, who thinks she can get something from partnering with him. And then at the end of the book, he's just saying, like, I know I should say us, but the galaxy is mine. No connection to anybody else. No, we are the Republic. The galaxy is mine. Mm -hmm. So great. So great. Uh, yeah, let's jump into that moment. Yeah, the, the totally opposite of We Are the Republic. And I love the beat of, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? It's mine. I've earned this. Yeah, it's so dark. <laughs> so I bad. meant to say, I, I know I should say us, but yeah, it's, it was great. It's a total uh, great bad guy moment and really attached to this theme. Uh, so uh, those are a lot of examples of lost connection. I think there are some examples of victories accomplished uh, by connection. I love the image of all those astromechs uh, network together and beeping and booping and <laughs> overheating because they're all networked together working hard um the human story of the the non-jedi on the station uh in particular the the vessel crew and uh, uh pika and joss ardrin uh, all working together to help everyone in contrast to coley lynn the, the selfish human uh the way you get that great beat at the end of the jedi working together to repair the uh, desalination plant uh, lots of moments of 
uh, connection and victory accomplished because of that connection, but even more moments, I think, of lost connection. So what are your big picture thoughts on on this idea? Did you find yourself fearing that Lena So and the Jedi have have failed making the We Are All the Republic uh, case, that, that that fragile argument for unity has been shattered? Uh, I, I, I love what it says because it's very real of, of it's um, that connection must come from a big picture uh, kind of compromise. And that's that's a hard sell. It's a hard sell in our world. Mm-hmm. It's a hard sell nowadays. And I love that it's a big theme in Star Wars and it should be. And there's so many moments in this book where you're right. Uh, you know, the, the, the beacon breaks in two and you're like, oh, severed connections. And I love that it's over the top, clear, boom, right there in your face because um, you know, I don't know, because it just, uh, it, it drives home the importance of it by, by showing, uh, when it, when it fails. And so anyways, uh, so the question about, um, uh, Jedi have, uh, and, and Lena, so they failed to make the fragile case. I think it's just such a tough sell. Even the Queens of, of Irem want the connection to help their people, but when their people are threatened, their connection is tested. Will they shoot the beacon down and maybe, and guess what? I might too in that situation. It's, it's a fair thought to have, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jedi, I love that moment. The Jedi have to go into that that hangar there, the 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 big uh, the, the 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 spaceport where on the beacon where everyone's trapped, and convince everyone that it's best if they all work together towards solution. Old Coley uh, Lynn over there from the Ace of Spades just like <laughs> whispering and 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 sowing discord. And I love that it's just and, and, you know they do, and it's a tough sell because the Jedi made it a little tougher, somewhat understandably. By not giving at all the info right away, that's a, that when you're in those kind of positions, I get it's a tough call. Mm-hmm. And you know what, what will cause panic, and, and sometimes you're on the side of caution. But as you're sitting there trying to say, we must all be connected. Well, you didn't tell us this. Yes, but we still must all be connected. I don't know if they failed. I just think it's such a tough case. And we get in our own ways uh, as people, uh, as, as, as humans, to, to fail to connect, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's fascinating to me about it. And this is my personal opinion. I understand many people have uh, different personal uh, opinions about this kind of stuff. But I feel like, yeah, connection and working together is often uh, the best way to to lift everybody up and, and to benefit from us all, you know, working together to for what is uh, best for the groups and then taking turns for when does this individual need more and when do I need more? Uh, but that is so fragile because it takes a leap of faith, right? That that the second that one person in the group starts to become selfish and backstabbing, mm-hmm. then it's so easy to go, ah, it's Pollyanna BS to work together. Cause look, everybody, everybody's in it for themselves. Right. And I kind of love that one of the main villains of this book is just one unpowered, not bounty hunter, yeah. non armored Nile. One of the main villains of this book is just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. just prescribes to that, perspective of like look every everybody cheats a little you know how dare this mm-hmm. other jerk leox turn me in for it and like uh, all this working together stuff everybody's in it for themselves and uh and uh, you, you can't convince me in this we are the republic blah 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 i'm looking out for number one uh and like that's even the jedi know like oh that that one guy we could maybe save everybody except for this one like jerk at the dmv <laughs> yeah yeah, Coley Lynn is the internet to me. Uh, just feeds on <laughs> conflict, as it says somewhere around page nineteen. They describe that. Um, yeah, I and and man, talk about. I, I mentioned, man, maybe I was a little disconnected emotionally for some of the big moments when he got his. I was not. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely a great, uh, a, a great moment, which is you know, 
yeah. Uh, you, you know, he did it to himself, literally, right? Literally did it to himself. Literally did it to himself. Yeah, I think uh, it's just one of the threads that I've really liked throughout the High Republic of, uh, you know, Lena So with her great works and Lena So being a politician and knowing kind of how fragile it is and knowing that, okay, there's the Republic, the hit on the Republic Fair, it's going to be really hard to get people to keep believing that this, like, look, we really are here to help. There are challenges, but we can overcome them together. Uh, it's so fragile because it cracks once and then people are like, yep, the whole thing doesn't work and, and you, you don't have buy-in. Um, I love this on page 295. Uh, we don't have a lot of Lena So, but this was so great. Or Lena is reflecting on how to handle this. And she says, tragedy can forge unity, thought Lena So. Her statement, which she alone would write, was beginning to take shape in her head. But this was not a matter of politics, not any attempt to salvage her own reputation she looked at it the way a doctor might look at a wound, seeing whether there was any way to heal what could not be undone. Ooh. I love that because it, it is making it clear that that she truly believes in the great works, truly believes in like if we can all come together and work together, we can we can help each other, we can make it a better galaxy. But I know that that fragile case is next to shattered. I think that ties into this other uh, big idea that we've been talking about of accepting imperfection, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's really a line about accepting imperfection of like, uh, there's no way to heal this. What can I, what can I do? Yeah. Uh, no, it's a great moment preceded by uh, Lena firing her aide that, <laughs> that wanted to approach it differently with the speech. Uh, she has my vote in the next election. Love it. Uh, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful stuff. Uh, beautiful. Uh, just uh, kind of taking the, uh, I keep going back to this. Uh, what is, is, and, and um, and and sometimes that's painful, but it is what it yeah. is, and, and it's easier said than done. Believe me, easier said than done, but uh, well said by Lena So and you, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I, let's dive into the one of the big ideas of Lost Connection and really one of the huge parts of the book, which is the Jedi being cut off from the Force. How do you feel about these uh, uh, mystery creatures, and, and what do you feel like they're actually doing to the Jedi? Any uh, any real-life experiences you can relate to where you feel like, yes, I know what it is to have all <laughs> all energy and joy and hope sucked away? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I actually found myself uh, wanting to the big reveal uh, to happen in the in in this, this book <clears throat> where you turn the corner and, and it's just uh, it's a monster sized Yal Salamiri. <laughs> there is Zon. a real Zon, yeah, Zon the Yal Salamiri. It is a real Yal Salamiri in the room, right? Not yes. an elephant, but a Yal Salamiri in the room. Yeah, uh, yeah. They in I have not reread those books in a million years. Uh, for me, there is a little bit of a difference that in that they're just sort of like they emit a bubble, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas these creatures are feel like they are a little bit more proactive. But I'm really curious on on your thoughts about them. Yeah. If you like them, or if they feel mm -hmm. if they feel Star Wars to you, uh, they 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 do actually. They really do because I love the vagueness. Uh, there there's some some vagueness built into them. Uh, they're almost demonic like in in feel. Mm -hmm. Something more more real here in this moment. And I kind of look at it as they are what you fear. They're fueled by the dark side, perhaps, or what's going on, running on conflict. Uh, Coley would like them, fear and doubt. And, and because I don't quite understand them, that makes them more dangerous to me as a reader because how can you defeat the thing that feeds, uh, you know, uh, feeds off what you want it to, to be, uh, what you fear it to be? Right. It, it is what it, it is your fear uh, in, in so many ways. And that's very Star Wars delight to me. And not the sci-fi way, but fantasy way, right? There, there's no technical readouts on this, and and you can't defeat it by stab it here. We don't know yet. And the descriptions of, of uh, to actually really experience it, like especially with with Orla, Orla's death, like yeah, it just uh, crazy craziness in a way, and, and I love that. 
Yeah, I love what you're saying. I also love that it's kind of this perfect trap for Jedi because even when they are at their worst, like uh, go back to Luke Skywalker and Rise of Skywalker of, you know, uh, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. So if they're really afraid of something, like, well, turn around and fear it uh, and face it. Right, right. And they they like literally physically can't, uh, or at least now, now they don't know how to do it. And I love that that is the tragedy of that. They Jedi just keep going like, well, Something's not right down there, so let's go confront it. And they can't right now. Can't, they don't. Yeah. They don't know enough to understand how to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it it takes their main like when all else fails, turn and confront the fear, and it takes that away from them. Yeah, that's what I love. Uh, Bell feels feels it, experiences it, and knows that uh, this is one of those. Uh, I am the spark that will light the fire later on. <laughs> and, and- that's a no from Bell. Yeah, I love that. That's a no for me, uh, dog, dog being Ember in this case. Um, uh, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And, and, I, and again, I, lo- I love that. I, I just don't quite understand them. Even when you read them or even with Elzar's description, you just don't fully get it. And I love that that's because the Jedi don't fully get it. Yeah. It's a description from Elzar on page 310, which is the closest we get to kind of a, a physical description of these particular beasts. Uh, it says a large shape indistinct in the gloom of a poorly lit level uh, swam and morphed in Elzar's vision like a fever dream. He only knew uh, that it was hideous, repellent, wrong. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the the I have never been a fan of things that sort of make it so the force doesn't exist. I, I struggled long before podcasts and fervent nerd culture. Uh, when I was a teen reading the, the, uh, the Zon books, I, I wasn't sure about the awesome Miller, mm-hmm. uh, uh, including obviously exactly how to say it. How to say um, <laughs> but for me, these feel different because they feel like they are uh, organic. They are somehow of the force. I like that. They aren't just the dark side, right? That they aren't just uh, fear and anger. Uh, but it seems like they are more the absence of force right. and that what's to me, what's happening to the Jedi is um, that it's almost like total nihilism of the idea of like nothing matters. You know, mm-hmm. you are entirely alone. You can't make a difference. And it's almost like the fear of losing that identity of, well, this is who we are as we, we connect with the force. We feel that strength of others. We try to connect to other people. And when all of that is gone, there's nothing left but fear. And, and it feels to me more like what the creature is doing is just taking everything away. And when everything's gone, fear is what floods in. Yeah. And, and I love that they're active, right? That they're on the prowl in a way that they're not, mm-hmm. just, you don't just bump into them. They aren't. Yeah. We're making the yes, so Mary jokes because I'm with you too. It's just, it was wasn't something that in the end I connected with, and they're not just on the shoulder, you know. <laughs> they're they're active, they're after you, and that's real because that's life. This stuff's gonna come after you. Yeah, I think for me, and again, uh, all props to people who love those books. I haven't reread them in years, so mea culpa. But I think they felt a little bit more like power level things of like Thrawn being like, ha ha ha, you can't force push me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this feels so much more spiritual to me. Which we should point out, Claudia Gray has mentioned a couple times uh, uh, a planet uh, that were, were Thrawn, uh, the, the planet and the system of the battle where, where Thrawn fell in those books. So she's read them too. So, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. she probably enjoys them more than me. <laughs> yes. And again, all respect to people who love those books. I know they're entry points for everybody and uh, I need to I need to review them at, at some point here. Uh, yeah. I also just love that they are they're very cosmic terror. They're very uh, Lovecraftian, even the way they're described of like you can't quite even physically see what they are, but they feel unnatural. Um, yeah. And to me, in getting into any sort of Star Wars nerdery, I feel like what they're doing is just like if we're luminous beings, it's like they're draining 
mm. the luminous energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm. like literally uh, to the point of husking of like literally like people's uh, force users' bodies are being sucked dry of energy. I really love that. Actually, I really love that because uh, and, and trying to just think, um, not trying to, to uh, you know, uh, be a Neil deGrasse Tyson and just going, well, uh, I, I've been trying to figure out how it works. Like, and, and I love what you're just saying there. Uh, that, that makes uh, some sense of just uh, why, how, how they end up husked. Yeah, they just they're dried of everything. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I am curious about real life. Did you did, was this one of those things of like, I can't I can't even begin to imagine or did it remind you of any uh, of your own real life experiences of of that kind of just sudden draining uh, of energy and hope and connection? Uh, yeah, look, someone who, who's battled depression pretty s- seriously yeah, over the course of my life. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, of, of bigger moments or um, uh, one particular career fail, failure. Now, 20 years ago, I, I almost willed it into <laughs> into happening. <laughs> um, uh, and, and that, that kind of reminded me of some of those moments. It wasn't active. It wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't pursuing me, the failure. But uh, there's just some of those moments. That's why that's why I, I, I interpret a lot of it of. Uh, of what you might fear is what it might be uh, a little bit, kind of that kind of energy for me all. And I kind of envision it looking like a rodent of unusual size from, from princess bride. <laughs> bigger yeah. Fangs. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You can morph around. Yeah. I think the thing for me is when I was trying to relate to it, um, you know, definitely had plenty of ups and downs in my life, but I remember in particular uh, uh, around 18, uh, when I was about 18 years old, it was like the first kind of breakup where I just, I had kind of dated a little and I'd definitely been upset. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was a breakup that I don't, I don't know what it was just like a chemical, what, what, for whatever reason, it was the first time I felt like um, I couldn't enjoy anything. Right. Like I was so upset about the breakup. I remember like my dad going like, it's a sunny day. Let's go for a bike ride. And I just remember like looking at like the beautiful trees and the sunshine and just being like, none of this matters <laughs> You want <laughs> because of this other pain. You know, you want a frozen pizza? You throw off the pizza. No. I, yeah, it, sure. It won't taste of anything, <laughs> but I like, uh, and I know lots of people go through it in, in lots of different ways, but that was like, yeah. oh man, imagine if that, that, feeling that I had on that first breakup, if it could chase me. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah, to be chased by a breakup. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Mark Young's end speech there. Uh, he, he says uh, he knew he should say his R's. He should reference the Nile in his statement, unify them in this ultimate statement of purpose. Instead, Mark Young Rose said what he truly believed. This galaxy is mine. Uh, how do you think that uh, translates to this big idea of connection? Markian really successfully uses people to get what he wants. What does that say about connection? Well, to me, I'll start here. It says people are craving connection, right? We are craving connection in many ways. And how dangerous it is that when that can be manipulated, especially when it boils down to us versus them. We've been talking a lot here that the Nile represent just this um, idea of uh, dangerously disenfranchised and, and what that can lead you. And I, I was, uh, it was haunting the way early on we got these, the, the three uh, Nile who are going to go do, do the deed on the starlight beacon. And uh, mm-hmm. Mark Ann says the three of them are, are in his thoughts. It's the three of them were all highly competent technicians, but they had not distinguished themselves within the Nile in any of the usual ways, neither especially ruthless nor merciful, neither brilliant nor weak minded but they believed. And the, that is all he needed when you can get someone to believe 
And, and, and I think all these members of the Nile, despite their want, uh, I want freedom and uh, no one's going to tell us what to do and no republic and we're going to get what is ours. They just want connection. And you get some leader like Marky on Roe to spin that all around, to spin you around. Yeah, yeah, connected. All for me. It's just, a, it, it, it goes, it's another layer to, to, to the Nile. And I love the use of them in this story. I, I've said before, it's a little dubious. What do we got here? Some space pirates? What do we got? How's that going to affect the Star Wars galaxy? Oh, are they really going to be uh, enemies and villains of important uh, of, of import uh, to to the Jedi? They they're, they're dangerous to the Jedi because of this. Uh, Markion is using this this desire for connection for his own own will. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, and I think we can see it in in the other books in seeing how he he threads that needle of making the Nile be really competitive with one another, but then when they succeed, really rewarding them and making them feel mm-hmm. like they're a part of these large festivals, these large parties that they all accomplish something together, even though he's really just in it for himself. And I think we see that in this book with the uh, the revelation that uh, Giristaros has betrayed the Republic and is uh, aligned with uh, Markian Rowe and very clear that. She means nothing to Mark Yan. Yeah. Uh, I love all this stuff with Nan, uh, kind of knowing who and what he is, but still pining to please him and pining mm-hmm. to get that connection back that you're talking about to be a part of something larger. Mm-hmm. Um, the saboteurs, obviously, are just exactly what you said. They have absolutely no doubt that they are doing the wrong thing because they think they are the right thing because they think they have connection. And to me, I think this this ties to this fragile argument for unity that Lena So and the Jedi are making that another reason that the argument for connection and unity is so fragile is because the illusion of connection can be weaponized by charming grifters. Yes. And I feel like that's what's happening. Absolutely is. Uh, there's something a little bit later on between Nan and, and Chansey <clears throat> around page two, 216 where uh, Nan says, um, uh, Nan would would have liked to argue this point, but Chansey was right. They had become partners, but never allies. It's a little bit uh, about their journey, what's going on with them. But I ju- it just made me think of what, what the Nile, what what's been uh, bred over there with Markion. Yeah, you're so right. There's literally at the end, they're like, "Bring out the yip tip. We got a party. We got a Nile party coming." <laughs> And you got here because of what you probably did to the Nile next year. You know, you probably stepped mm-hmm. over them to get to this party. Congratulations. You're all connected for my glory. Yeah. And it, and it connects back to Coley Lynn of like that philosophy of like the only way anybody gets ahead, the only way anybody has anything, including connection, is to stab the person who might take it from you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, powerful and scary stuff and boy, a strong beat uh, to end uh, (laughs) end that book on. Uh, Last big idea that I wanted to talk about that I think is uh, really spread throughout the book is this idea in general of Jedi pride, hubris even, Mm -hmm. uh, that is always a discussion with the Jedi because I think they're walking this line of of trying to use their power but not become kind of obsessed with their own power. But along with that idea of Jedi pride and hubris, I think there's a lot in this about general ideas of of class and station and Mm -hmm. who do we see and who do we value within society. So, you know, through line of Jedi slipping into hubris, but lots of stories uh, in this book of the quote unquote everyday people being the ones who truly make a difference uh, and Jedi kind of only succeeding when they humble themselves. Some specific examples uh, I love that scene where Stellan initially turns down help from Iram when the queen is like, see, you're having some problems up there. Yeah. <laughs> we could send a ship. And Stellan's like, they kind of like, we're the helpers. We're here to help you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. The big, 
plot point that the Nile saboteurs uh, are, go unnoticed for the most part because they're dressed as workers. Yeah. Um, love that Leox uh, telling Stellan that Jedi don't need to question when something's broken because they have someone else to fix it for them. Right. <laughs> That's a nice little uh, knife twist there from old Leox. Uh, I love that the Jedi ended up needing the people on the station to help trap those creatures, right? Yeah. Uh, so that was about like, who, who's the helper, uh, who's the rescuer, who's the, the saver. Um, I thought that Nile aid was really fascinating. The character of the Fair, uh, is really figured out like, here's the way to be close to Mark and Roe is to be a step below him and not have broadcast to him that I have no aspiration right. to, right. to be on your level. I just want to survive, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, in your empire by staying one step below you and that that's her like active philosophy. Um, I love that Afi is the one who ends up restoring communication, makes the call for help to civilians. Uh, Leox is the one who gets the bay doors open. Lots of different examples. So there's uh, some uh, that I wanted to highlight. Did this story work for you? Uh, did you like this, uh, this tale of uh, Jedi hubris and uh, class stations? Absolutely. We love that hubris word around this four center part, uh, these parts. Uh, yeah. And, and, and um, there was something early on uh, about, about page 66. So Reginald Cole, by the way, I saw someone tweet out that Reginald Cole would definitely be the Jedi that would start an improv group on. <laughs> I don't get that and totally get that all at the same time. Uh, so RIP Reginald, uh, he had an interesting reaction when they're all feeling that darkness, right? And, and on page 66, he said, we like to think we're wiser. We're the Jedi. We're in control of our minds and bodies. But in the end, you could just be as superstitious and suggestible. Now, that was a little bit different. It was a take. It was almost him kind of poo-pooing the darkness, like uh, uh, not not feeling it there. But I, I just love um, the thought of the Jedi, again, going to Stellan, uh, uh, you know, and what, what Leok said to him and or, or him turning down the help and just uh, when you the jedi you said it, jedi needing to humble themselves is when they work the best it's why later on we're like yeah yeah obi obi-wan was wearing the robes of a moisture farmer that that all kind of tracks that's what it should be and this is a different era it's a different order at this time stellan's in gold and white looking probably kind of <laughs> regal and i just think it is kind of a, le- a lesson when you become too prideful to see what's in front of you that that's where some of the big troubles uh, uh begin and, and a lot of the jedi indira Dear Stokes was, was uh, you know, no stranger to the ways of the force. We know this. Uh, and, and she says she knew knew what it was like to sense danger coming ahead. This was different. So they're all trying to have um, trouble seeing what is uh, uh, this big mm. type, type of thing. And and therefore, uh, we talked before, we talked about with the Boba Fett stuff of sometimes this idea of Boba Fett walking on on, on, the, on the streets of, of Mos Espa, this idea of, of power as a danger, even when you don't abuse your power, power as a, as a danger of disconnecting you. And and I think that comes up a lot in what you're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that uh, Leox uh, interaction um, with, uh, with Stellan, uh, that's uh, page 178, Stellan saying, he trusted the order as he trusted the force. He might disagree or argue with the order sometimes, but he never questioned it. Ask fewer questions, he thought, get fewer answers. <laughs> and I feel a lot of this is about like uh, not questioning things enough to understand what is really going on because they, I think in this particular instance, are so firm in their role as protectors and helpers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, particularly the, the beginning of this book, right? They're kind of overwhelmed on the station and not paying as much attention because they're bringing in wounded and refugees and they're helping people. And it's, this is uh, Markian cruelly taking advantage of their instinct to help people, 
uh, but I think they are so firmly thinking of themselves as the protectors that they are not questioning the fact that they're the ones in need of protection. Mm-hmm. Like if they had questioned that role is we as protectors can also be in need of protection. You know, the first yeah. domino was really the creatures, right? Yes. So if they had questioned and stopped everything and said, we can't keep doing our job unless we deal with this. We really need to deal with this. It was a real like, you know, there's there's discussions and some of the Jedi are pushing for that. And other Jedi are like, once you get all your chores done, you can go search for the terrible beast <laughs> in the space station basement, you know? in <laughs> uh, the fact that, you know, in Mark Rose grand plan in these books, the hyperspace disaster affects everyone. Uh, the the attack on Valo bloodies the Jedi's nose, but um, but a ton of what's going on in this book is the Jedi are the targets. The protectors yeah. are the ones who need protection, and it isn't until later in the book where they adjust to that reality. Yeah, there was this. Uh, I, I, you, you mentioned about asking for help, and I actually wrote down the note of wanting to see the Jedi ask for help. I said earlier it was at times I was frustrated with the Jedi, and I just wanted to see them ask for help because. Uh, this is going to lead your downfall 200 years from now. Yep. <laughs> when that Mace and Yoda conversation popped in my head a lot of, I think it's uh, time we should tell people we, our ability to use the force has been diminished. Uh, and, and how, you know, we, we might need a little help here, buddies. Uh, I, I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, such a tragedy because you're like, go tell Bale. <laughs> yeah. Maybe keep it from Sheev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it from sheep. We got that. Keep it from sheep. But yeah, uh, another quote I liked on this theme is uh, Nan on page 128. Nan couldn't resist a small smile as she thought of the high and mighty Jedi being brought down by something as simple as this. The revelation that they didn't look very carefully at those who did menial tasks for them. Yeah. That whole idea of it's like, yeah, no, we're not uh, we're not on high alert for the maintenance crew, you know, and there's a lot to it. There's the they would have been able to sense what was going on if the creatures weren't there. They're inundated with uh, wounded and refugees. Uh, but there is still that very clear idea there that they are not really treating everybody the same. Yeah, look, they weren't up in the top of the tower drinking Tonneray wine, uh, listening to <laughs> classical music, and 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 you know, uh, not that classical music makes you a snob, by the way, if you're a classical music fan. Um, but you know, it wasn't that. But yeah, right. Yeah, justice for the Jedi. Hands are full, but it was a foolproof plan. It just was. They, they that was what they knew would work, you know, and it did. Yeah, targeted all the weaknesses to just horrific effect. Uh, any other thoughts on that uh, big picture idea, or any other big picture ideas that you wanted to discuss? Moving to the, just an, uh, the symbol of hope and, and symbols of hope are important. Uh, we talk a little bit of, uh, you know, Luke being the myth and the importance of that role and, 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 and how it, it you know, serves uh, to the greater inspiration there. But I, I also love that this, this I took from this story of the symbols of hope are important, but they're just symbols and hope grows as everyone takes a step forward together and, and makes those brave choices, deals with what is and, and, and confronts all these fears. That, that kind of was the big lesson. And you said up very much, you said up top. Dark story, sad story, but hope at the end of it. And that's uh, where I got at the end. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I think the more I think about it, what I love about uh, Stellan's story is that sometimes, you know, we love these Jedi characters because they have, uh, you know, lightsabers and force powers. And it's it's really cool and fascinating fantasy. And it, it can be very spiritual with the way that they connect with the force. But I think they are always, to me, starting with Luke Skywalker and exploding out to all these other Jedi, uh, you know, they're inspirations for for who we could be as individuals and i love that stellan's story is really explicitly i need to be this huge larger than life 
powerful uh, person to to make sure everybody's okay. And he has his big victory by having this small human moment of just turning a lever because that's what he can do. What you're saying is is um, why I love Star Wars so much and continue it continues to grow in me. Where it's like I I will never be a Jedi in terms of cool robe, cool weapon, and cool job to go save the galaxy, right? That's what yeah. I grew up thinking they were, but really to, it is truly this mythic tale broken down to a small micro level that affects all of our lives here in the real world, and that just continues to play out. And, and so in and, 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 and reading the story of, of Jedi, uh, you know, failing through it for a lot of different reasons or not succeeding or trying and failing, all these kind of things, but the small victories, it just made them all more real. That's one of the things the High Republic era has really done that I uh, wasn't expecting. I know you were hopeful to spend a lot of time with Jedi. Um, I just didn't know what to think. You know, again, I get it. The Jedi, I maybe I'm one of those workers. <laughs> the perfect people <laughs> in the robes. I love the lessons I'm taking from these Jedi. Yeah, yeah. A lot of great lessons uh, from the Jedi. And uh, it's just so fun to spend, to me, it's just such great justice for the Jedi to spend time with, like, look at this noble, difficult path they put themselves on. And it's so easy to slip. And every single one of them is is striving to stay on that noble path. And, and the aspiration to be on that path at all is kind of what makes them heroes. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back to look at some of the individual moments we enjoyed, some action moments, some canon lore connections, uh, maybe some stuff we wrestled with, all that in just a moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back to continue our discussion of the great High Republic book, The Fallen Star. We are going to go to some of the individual moments. Uh, we already shared a lot of individual moments we enjoy, but Ken, what were some other that just either they were funny, uh, they were insightful, anything else you wanted to shout out? Yeah, was, it, it, we, we had some pretty heavy discussion there. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some fun little comedy moments. Uh, mentioning that guy, that guy, Reginald, and his improv group. Loved on page 63 his kind of description of uh, him being uh, just frustrated with the concept of when he has to teach younglings because they're basically toddlers that do magic. Uh, <laughs> that made me laugh. Just absolutely <laughs> laugh. Maybe, you know, the, the Harry Potter connection, I guess you could put there if you want. But just, just yes, Jedi being like, imagine being three going, wait, I mean, you're like Rogo. You're going to start stealing all the the space macarons. Absolutely. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the magic wizard tantrum. Scary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And not for everybody. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I liked uh, a lot on page 196, uh, it, it, uh, it is a great hint to uh, some of the poor choices to come, but it is an Elzar man quote, damn the Nile, damn them to every hell in every mythology of the galaxy. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> that is obviously uh, sometimes fans bump on, you know, uh, words like hell and Godspeed, but they're in Star Wars. And I love just this acknowledgement of like, oh, yeah, if Elsar had time, he could list 17 different <laughs> ideologies yes. of what hell is. But damn the Nile to all of them. Was, oh, I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> love that. Love that. Where are some more for you? Ah, oh, man, I absolutely love Geode. And I understand Geode is this uh, hill or rock people are prepared to die upon in terms of Star Wars being good or bad. Uh, but Claudia Gray just uh, just delivers, executes it so properly. And I love uh, page 122 where, um, you know, Geode is quite, he, he's hitting on Pika. <laughs> and her, her partner, Jaws, is uh, kind of wondering. And, and, and Affy kind of has a, you know, no, he's, he's uh, you know, vent, uh, how do you say, Ventian, Ventian? Um, is, yeah, what I thought. Mentium, and it's not like anything he could do with a human, if he, even if he wanted to, which he doesn't. He dates in species only, which for most people I think is kind of narrow-minded, but you have to admit uh, for Vintians, it, it's kind of unavoidable. And Josh says, oh, I guess you're right. And Effie says, oh, great, Geo's on the prowl again to herself. Maybe LOL. Love that moment. I love a good Geo comedy beat. 
Yeah, yeah. And there, there are a lot of great Geode comedy beats. Uh, uh, like some we have seen before about like, yeah, well, Geode was clearly had that stern look, you know, and yeah. people knew what that meant. All the sort of stuff like that. Um, Geode was enriched for me in this book uh, because on social media, there was that explosion of, you know, those of us who have not been uh, following Sesame Street <laughs> a ton in the last couple decades. Uh, I didn't know that there was this ongoing through line where Elmo uh, has that friend Zoe and Zoe has uh, a pet rock that she treats as though he's sentient and it just infuriates Elmo. And there are all these great <laughs> quotes of Elmo going, Rocco's a rock. Rocco can't eat and like losing his mind. And it just made Gio that much more entertaining. <laughs> A uh, large par- uh, part of the Star Wars fandom is Elmo. I get it. I just yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah, and so I saw people. I, I when when that exploded, uh, and I did a deep dive of, on Elmo videos. I saw other people pointing out that connection of <laughs> imagine how furious Elmo would be about Geo. That made it great. I also really liked the beat um, early on because uh, it, it tricked me uh, when Elzar is still uh, training and he thinks briefly thinks Geo is some sort of ancient force sensitive plinth. Yes, yes. I'm like, oh no, he's that. That's just a guy. That's a rock guy. <laughs> I got me too. I was like, what is happening? Is Eye of Webbish Bog appearing? Oh, no, it's Geode. 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 Uh, I also like early on, I think it's page 40, uh, when the crew of the vessel is discussing that the, all they seem to do is uh, cart Jedi around, that uh, they're thinking of advertising themselves as for the monk wizard on the go. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good monk wizard term. Yeah, that was really great. Uh, there's a turn of phrase uh, from from Bell uh, when he is thinking, uh, Master Loden always said it was a fool who either fought angry or fought a Wookiee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> great turn of phrase. And then I didn't uh, quite realize that, yeah, that was absolutely a little bit of foreshadowing about don't fight angry. Right. Yeah. No, Elzar, you were so close. So close. So close. I got just a couple more. How about you? Yeah. Um. Gosh, I, I maybe wrote down the page wrong. I couldn't. There's a moment later on. There's just a valuable lesson round round two seventy eight. I don't know if I why I would have missed that. I can't find the quote. I apologize, everybody. We took extensive notes. I missed one. Uh, doing things differently doesn't mean you're doing them wrong. I think that can connect to a lot of things we were talking about already. But I wanted to mm-hmm. remember that. I, I, that was a that's a good quote to hang on a wall with maybe a cat balancing on a log or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is very much uh, an important idea in this era of all these different Jedi trying to figure their way forward and us getting to really know them as individuals, that yeah, yeah. Uh, people are going to do things different ways, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I liked uh, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the uh, stuff about trying to handle... When all the humans are trying to figure out how to handle all the problems, but in particular, when they're trying to figure out what is actually on that container... Mm-hmm. And whether they can just open the doors and throw it into space. And there's like some good Star Wars conversation about like, you, we can't just throw animals into space. Yeah. And then they discover it's a uh, Rastars. And I believe it's a Pika Ardern who's like, yeah, we can just space them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> we can just throw those in space. Yeah. Uh, last one for me, uh, kind of a, a bigger moment. Um, we didn't spend a ton of time with the the queens, uh, mm-hmm. Dima and Thandika of uh, Aram. Uh, but they're having that totally reasonable I guess totally reasonable. They're having that uh, brutal conversation about do we need to shoot the beacon down right, right. Uh, when it's going to hit the city. And it was just a powerful moment when they decided not to, right? Mm-hmm. When they just, mm-hmm. they had they had that hope and like the book had been so full of fear and lost hope and failed connection and to have that moment of like, 
let's let's give them a chance. Let's trust that they're going to fix this. Yeah, no, and and, and, and you know, you understand why, why you might slip and say reasonable because I, I, I if I was right there with them in their uh, throne room or something, I'd be like, shoot it down, shoot it down. And I'm not saying I'm right. You know, it's just that's fear creeping in, and I think you're right. It's a powerful moment of hope. Yeah, in, in some ways, it's yeah, it's the opposite of uh, of what uh, happens with Elzar. Yes. Yep. Take an extra moment of time. Uh, any other moments for you before we move on to action? No, let's go to action. All right, we're gonna dive into the action again. I think this book was kind of fascinating because a lot of the the typical kind of uh, beats of like Rising Storm in particular had like endless, uh, you know, big fights in, in the midst of all of that uh, horrible, fair chaos. Uh, but for you, what were the action moments that you enjoyed the more traditional ones? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, too, by the way. It, and it's part of the, the, the how great this book was, is, is you're right. I, I, I And trying to fill out this, you know, part of my notes for the show today, I was like, what what actually happened in terms of hardcore video game Star Wars action? And there was some stuff there, indeed. But I, some of it was the haunting stuff. Orla fighting so hard, but... but, but um, you know, dying essentially the, at the hand of the, this mysterious uh, creature, the leveler here and all this stuff, like haunting death. Be- beautiful uh, description in the darkness. Uh, wonderful uh, uh, writing with Claudia Gray in that moment. I just felt it. I felt the the pain, the suffering, the urgency, uh, a- a- and the fight and, and trying to make it in that moment. I love that. As, as sad as it, it was. You know. Yeah, it was extremely sad. Yeah. Um, I think uh, for me, uh, if I was honest, my favorite action moment is a horribly dark one, which is Elzar. <laughs> Uh, it, it was just such a shocking moment. Uh, you know, I, I didn't expect that slip back, but it was so, it made so much sense. It was a surprise that makes sense, which was, I think, uh, great jokes and great storytelling are often surprises that make sense. And that one was like, oh, wow. And then it was even that, uh, is so on the nose as to bisector, right? It just yeah. split in two, like the station. It was so vicious. It was so awful. So, uh, I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on that, but then I did. Uh, some happier action moments. I really love the moment where where Bell comes up with the idea, takes the chance, and separates the medical tower, and you know says for light and life, right? Great and moment. The great, great action moment. Great fulfillment for Bell. Great, like oh, finally some people are saved. Um, it, but also just this great uh, moment of like, yeah, for light and life is uh, usually about connection, and this is this is this moment of literal severed connection. But that's the way to save people. So yeah. I really like that one. Love it. Um, yeah. Go go ahead. I just uh, you know, this is someone who has uh, been a little grumpy Han style about Rathars in the past. Uh, um, good to see him back, effective, and this thing that Star Wars does to you. If there's something you know, look, sometimes you're maybe not gonna, maybe you're never gonna like Geode. I get that, but for someone like me who's like, I don't know about those Rathars and Force Awakens. Here we are, 2022. Now I'm reading this. And I'm like, hey, Rathars, man, those funny little balls of fury. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the whole sequence was great. Uh, Briaga's uh, last stand, uh, quotation marks around that, maybe. Um, just well done, beautiful, got me. Of all the, a lot of the moments in the book uh, uh, that just I, I kind of almost viewed intellectually, uh, that one I really uh, uh, took in emotionally with his final stand. And it was, uh, it was really good. And you're kind of like, again, felt like you're, you're reading it, but you're watching it and you want him so, so bad to succeed in that moment. 
Yeah, I, I thought it really did a great job of taking what we know about the Rathars. You know, obviously Force Awakens and featured in other comics with Maul and that of really keeping them up as everybody knows like they're hard to deal with. And, you know, yeah, some of the like you you can hack at them with the lightsaber, but you got to stab them exactly the right way to even make a difference. And uh, in particular, the action beat that I liked, obviously everything that happened at Briag and his sacrifice. And, you know, even if he lives, still a moment of of sacrifice. There's that moment, uh, I, I believe it's Elzar who's watching and who's like, seen Wookiees fight before. I've never really seen them use their claws all the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that moment of Briagi using his claws, that was great. Like, um, you know, like that the might of Wookiees coming out. Yeah, the might of Wookiees. Yeah, so that was a great one for me. I, I loved when when Elzar did have the, the success of opening the bay doors um, that, you know, he was supposed to do it with Briaga and wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do it himself and hadn't fully tapped back into the force and that it was such a moment of yes he can and and it was totally pure of um doing that to help others and a part of the way he got the strength is by reaching out and connecting with others and feeling the energy of others to open the bay doors Uh, that was a great moment uh and uh that victory is, uh, you know, uh, he, he has to uh, use that maybe to yeah. <laughs> balance out the failure. But I'm glad he had that victory. Yeah. Love that. Just a little moment for you is the, when they kind of reconfigure the, the station and the ships are flying through and all that kind of stuff. Lovely, mm. A little high, high, uh, uh, you know, uh, cool spaceship action is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. Zipping through the, the reform station. Um, I think final thing for me, you and I both mentioned it but uh, earlier, but I wanted to include it as one of my favorite action moments. Uh, I love Geo just zipping in front of uh, the laser bolt from Coley Lynn's blaster and refracting it back into his gut. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I did uh, the the final one for me was uh, Leox uh, in his thermal detonator uh, 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 trick there. Loved it. I really like the character of Leox. Uh, all right, all right, all right. And I I had him up. I was like, oh, he he's one of the uh, of of the those who have died. Uh, it, it worked for me, except for. Uh, where, and I'm not saying I'm insightful or smart, I was like, but wait a minute, that wasn't from his point of view. I think we would be inside his head if he died. Uh, not necessarily the case, by the way. But uh, So when he showed back up, I, I was not necessarily surprised, but uh, overjoyed because I really do love that character. But it was a great moment uh, and uh, well done. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I was not as uh, being as uh, smart or as analytical in, in that moment because I think that that moment where he describes like, he feels the wind whipping is like, we are really in the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no question about it. This is atmosphere. Uh, but I thought his survival was so well set up by uh, all those beats where he liked older tech and like the way he was using it yeah. initially to like figure out we're, we're falling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So- you know, sorry. One final one. I just, overall the description of the starlight beacon breaking into and the burning and, and the tragedy around that and Elzar seeing it, Stellan feeling, feeling it. And, uh, uh, I, there was something uh, just just beautiful in the writing of something so horrible. And I, again, felt it and it worked for me. It's just a, I don't know if I call it an action moment, just a big beat in the story. Oh, yeah. I would say that's a pretty big action moment. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> and beautifully written. Yeah, the tragedy was, was beautiful. Uh, moving on then from some action moments we enjoyed to some of the canon and lore connections. I, I didn't, I, I feel like, I didn't feel like there was as much like that. Oh, wow. This new thing popped in that connects to an old thing. Uh, but I did try to make a note of a couple of things that popped out to me. Uh, you know, those Rathars. <laughs> yeah. 
That was a big connection. Uh, we did get the detail that uh, they breed by fission. How did you feel about that? <laughs> I just made me think of, uh, you know, the, the DeLorean and Back to the Future too. You need some good uh, fusion and fission to get things going, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, and I lo- I'm, I'm going to stay away from Rattars, man. There's nothing about them that seems natural or normal. Yeah, I just do like they, they're terrifying, but they're almost like evil Muppets and like they just they vibrate so much yes. as they reproduce. Like yes. Yes. <laughs> it worked for me. I liked it. Um, I, I really like the mention of bounty pucks. I found that really interesting. because That's, you know, pulling from uh, this uh, newer part of Star Wars with uh, mm. the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Love that, too. Yeah. Um, there's a passage where Elzer is talking about being taught by Yoda. I didn't write down the actual words. Obviously, that's not new information that younglings are taught by Yoda. But there was something about the way it was written that really made me feel it from Yoda's perspective. Going back to, you know, my introduction to Yoda in Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back when he's talking about, I've, you know how long I've trained Jedi and like yeah. thinking all these char- almost all these characters we met, Yoda taught them briefly when they were kids, you know? Yeah it just drove that home to me of Yoda having the weight of all these Jedi he's known over all these years. And I just going on this high Republic adventure, we, the reader get to feel an ounce of what Yoda feels having known all of these Jedi. Yeah. Good pull uh, on our news and cues episode this week. We had the conversation uh, about Ezra and Yoda and uh, in rewatching that, that beat in, in uh, rebels, uh, Ahsoka while trying to explain to Ezra uh, who Yoda was to talk about like, eh, you know, at one point he just trained all the Jedi. Uh, and so I loved love that and good use of Yoda in this story because you know we still haven't uh, had a ton of Yoda yet, and I I, I trust we will. Um, but uh, yeah, powerful, and it just made me uh, Yoda's more justifiable in being grumpy with Luke when he's you know kind of <laughs> by my own counsel will I keep. Uh, love that he's been around, he's done this. Yeah, it almost makes me want a cutscene where Yoda just starts listing Jedi, and it takes like two <laughs> hours in the middle of Empire Strikes Back, the new special edition where Yoda <laughs> yeah. lists all the Jedi. Elzar. Let me tell you about Elzar. <laughs> uh, I like seeing uh, Joss and Pika Ardren. This is kind of canon within uh, High Republic. It's kind of fascinating to see High Republic be going on long enough uh, to see it uh, pull from its own canon. Yeah. Uh, th- those characters were, of course, uh, present at the hyperspace disaster in uh, the first book and at the Starlight Beacon. Uh <laughs> It made me feel for them that they keep getting caught up in the big tragedy. You know, they deserve a vacation. Get on out of here. Head to, head they to really Scarif. Do. Get a beachfront uh, sh- uh, chateau. Yeah, go to Scarif and relax. I'm sure there's a timeshare on Scarif <laughs> these days. Uh, there was a mention of ration powder that turned into a sweet bun, which was great to hear that description of uh, of raised rations. Uh and then uh, I really like this collection of uh, collection of collective nouns of different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Grove of Wookiees, Tinker of Droids, Bulge of Huts, Illumination of Jedi, and Remorse of Rancors. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Uh, just a couple other ones. Uh, there was a mention of a trototome, mm-hmm. just a clawed species. So that was nice. Yes. And then uh, the other one that kind of got me is uh, there's a discussion that Orla deserved a pyre. And obviously that is Jedi tradition, but kind of hearing it in this context, this era, uh, that that hit me like a ton of bricks. Loved it. Loved it. Always a, yeah, yeah, I was going to say it always a long list of planets and cool references. Uh, I, I, I sometimes fall back on those. So I, I lean on our good friend Alex and Molly uh, over at Star Wars Explained. I listed those, but they love just different planets showing up and this kind of connected galaxy that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger but you can still have fun bringing in certain planets and locations yeah absolutely and i felt like this book it was more building on the the high republic uh canon for kind of the the big ideas in that uh 
But there's uh, some of these fun things. We wanted to mention them. Uh, We always like to discuss if there's anything that we wrestled with. We talked a little bit at the top about kind of wrestling with the book before we read it of, you know, what kind of book is this? What is it to have another tragedy? What is it to be so focused on the characters' deaths? Uh, was there anything that you wrestled with as you actually read the book? Yeah, it, it wrestled, not not question, just wrestled with. I I felt the impact of not keeping up with the other stories because there's so many stuff, particularly the comics, as I said before, just I don't have as much time to get through the comics. At times, the comics overall, not the High Republic ones, it's, it's a fun chore, but it, it's a little bit of like, ah, I need to read 19 comics today because I, I go to the shop so so few uh, a few times a, a year now. Uh, and I don't do the digital stuff yet. That might change because then it can help me keep up. All that to say, it did not affect the book for me in the way of I felt lost. They never do. They write with great skill to make sure. Uh, and we're so used to going, oh, that thing I don't know about probably appears somewhere else or will. So you just got to kind of tell yourself that. But I just noticed this more than any of the previous uh, novels before, especially the big ones. Well, Light of the Jedi, we, 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 you know, not going to be there as much. Uh, and, and, it, and it just just might be that we're used to these books and the, and, and the era more and there's so much storytelling. I just felt I was hyper aware of, oh, Avar did that over there. I missed that part. I didn't listen to the Lorna D audiobook, so I, I can plug in plug in the holes and fill in the blanks. Not lost, but more than any other one, it just came up a few times that I was like, ah, I missed that or I haven't experienced it yet. Uh, I was right there with you. I think it's maybe because the amount of storytelling has uh, built up. Before we did Rising Storm, I got all caught up on uh, the comics. And and it was great because then I wasn't really wondering. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, know where that's going. I don't think there was anything in this book that I didn't understand or any emotion uh, that was lessened from this. But it was just a minor distraction for me that I know this is not going to happen for lots of reasons. But it made me want like an annotated version or like I grew up reading comic books when, you know, the editors were shameless about trying to get you to track down old comics. Right. And like every page there'd be, you know, (laughs) Spider-Man would talk about something that happened maybe 10 years ago, maybe maybe two issues of the Fantastic Four ago. Other times it was explicitly, Mm. hey, yeah, if you want to know what's happening in this Teen Titans comic book, sorry, kid, you know, pay for (laughs) Justice League. And it, it tells you not only you know, where uh, uh, it, it kind of tells you it's okay that if you don't know exactly where this is, this information is elsewhere. Yeah. And I, I found myself pining for that. Uh, again, I'm not asking for it or demanding for it. I think there's a lot of reasons that it probably wouldn't happen. Right, right. But the way the High Republic storytelling is working, yeah, I'm I'm as of now, I'm all caught up on the main comic book, not quite caught up on the uh, High Republic adventures. Haven't listened to the Lorna D, which I was a little bit nervous going into this of like, mm. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but the way this has developed, sometimes these books are ahead yeah. of storytelling, right? Yeah. So, it, you know, it, like for me in my my fantasy of an annotated version with asterisks, it would be like, that's in the Lorna D audio. <laughs> that's in this issue of High Republic Adventures. That would be, don't worry, that will be coming yeah. in the next arc of the High Republic comic by Kevin Scott. Yeah. All right. Wait for the Marky and Road two part. You're like, uh, because it is, it is just a distraction. I think, uh, I think it's one of those things to mention. And also then for me to just go. And so it goes, because I don't think there's a, a major solution. I think maybe when phase one is all done, right. Yeah. When there's a bow absolutely on phase one, I, I would be thrilled to have star Wars Lucasfilm put out th- like the official guide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
that that would be cool to me to just review because I think there is also just a part of it of like I love this world, I love these books, I love these comics. I'm actively trying to keep up, and it's so much to keep up with. Uh, yeah, you 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 make me laugh too. I'm thinking back to some of the old GI Joe comics of editor's notes, see issue seventeen. <laughs> Right. It just pop up all the time. Uh, yeah, no, and it, it's all good. It's all part of this wonderful connected universe. Everything's working well together. And again, yeah, nothing, nothing takes me out of it. I just, um, uh, you know, I want to, you know, my mind just wandered a little bit of like, uh, oh, I haven't, uh, Avar doing this. And like, I'm like, wait, the, that's right. The Drenger, they're gone, right? Wait, did we solve that? Bro? I can't remember. And I can't remember what I've read. And it's just the nature of the world we live in. There's so much content. There's so much stuff going on. Life goes on. Um, so that it just popped up more than any other time. We get the question a lot of, hey, can I read La Jedi Rising Storm and now Fallen Star and not have read the other stuff? And it's like, yeah, of course you could have. Um, and you would be rewarded if you did read the other stuff. But uh, I, I, I don't know. It just, it just popped up a few times for me and I just wanted to say it. Yep. Yep. And for me, again, just to emphasize, I think it is it's about being a distraction. You know, yeah. the book works just fine, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. need to know. When when do we get that part of Avar's story? You don't need to know that reading this book because that's not the story. Yeah. Uh, but but we both uh, had the same instinct of <laughs> wanting editor's notes from 1984 <laughs> comic books uh, to pop up in this book. Love that. Uh, as we begin to wrap up, we're going to talk about the future. So, Ken, this is the last of the uh, adult novels in phase one. There are two more novels and some comics uh, on social media. I believe uh, Charles Soule said the second issue of the Marquion Rowe comic is kind of the last uh, beat of phase one itself. So we still have some more, more of phase one to go. Uh, but with all that in mind, what are your hopes for phase two as we jump back to the past? Oh yeah. What uh, my, my hope is uh, that uh, we're looking to, to we just can't, we, we had this, uh, what I call uh, age of establishment, if that makes sense, where, mm. where I was so blown away by the, the, the light of the Jedi introduces is like, Hey, we, we are post-war America. I always go to that example. I just was really fascinated of like, we're building freeways. What's the best way to do that? We're trying to bridge connection. What's the best way to do that? We are all the Republic. We have a chance to do this right. We've, we've, we've explored. Now let's establish. And now to go back, uh, what, 150 years into this age of exploration. Uh, and it almost is the early promises of some of the early High, High Republic stuff when, when Project Luminous was revealed to be this, of Jedi around the galaxy and uh, doing, uh, you know, the old West thing came up a lot. I don't know if that's hundred percent accurate, but like um, playing around, just uh, having the Jedi play around in a slightly more fractured galaxy will also help drive the need for the, we are the Republic stuff later, right? That, that yeah. seeing what that actually feels like, not all negative, just seeing what that feels again, going back to our, you're saying like that, that we talked about selling the idea of connection and how hard it is. Well, to actually be on a planet where like, no, we get we, connection. Nope. We're good. We're good. And just having the Jedi on their own, while also working with them in, in the order. Um, and then the big thing for me, you know, kick it back to you here, just like, you know, without, um, we're assuming without the Nile as we know them, uh, how will fear manifest itself 150 years prior? What's going on there? What, where's it coming from? Uh, excited to find that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it made a lot of sense when they're uh, introducing the overall initiative to kind of focus on like, yeah, it's going to be kind of some frontier tales yeah. that are opening yeah. up the outer rim. And then we, we get in there and we definitely have some vibe of that. I mean, I think uh, that base where we meet Loden, uh, Great Storm and Porter Anger and Bell, that really feels like, yeah, we, here's our little station where we help out the town nearby and then go riding, you know, to, to rescue uh, the person who's been kidnapped. It's got this great frontier vibe. And I'm, I'm hoping for more of those like true frontier tales, right. Of these are some 
early encounters. Um, And I think what could be really interesting in that from the Jedi in the Republic perspective is getting into some almost Star Trek prime directive like conflicts of like what happens if a Jedi come to a place and like we really think you should resolve your problem this way, but that's not their culture, right? Right. Or, uh, you know, all all sorts of or they want something that the Republic can't give. Right. Uh, I think there's lots of interesting uh, cultural battles to be happening or, you know, is part of the conflict that they stumble into a conflict and they kind of want to get in the middle of it and resolve it, but they're mm. not supposed to, or they get caught in them at like yeah. a, a lot of frontier tale possibilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also really, really, I, I could just be going way out on a limb, but I keep going back to, you know, Porter Engels, uh, one of his uh, nicknames being blade of Bardada, uh, Bardada being the home of uh, the Ogon uh, masters who see the force differently. I'm really curious about that too. That's one example because it's supported by some existing canon, but is there going to be some tales of, uh, you know, the Jedi encountering people who perceive or use the force differently? I, you know, you love that. Even connecting to some of the stuff, uh, some of the, the, the folks, uh, in, in legacy, uh, the legends of Luke Skywalker, right. Uh, uh, feel a little mm. differently and Luke learns from them just cause you pull back from that. Even, even, uh, some of the stuff in uh, fallen order, right. I've just exp- uh, going in, into that kind of world. I, I love that idea too. It's, it's, it's intriguing. Yeah. I think they're also, you know, there's going to be some seeds they've said specifically in the mission to disaster book, uh, that Mark on road two shot is coming out and maybe some of those answers will come there, but I feel like there's been lots of little hints in this phase one, that the Nile might have risen from some Jedi sins of the past. Oh, so, right. Yep. Sorry. Yep. You're right. Ooh, forgot about that. I'm really curious to see if some well-intentioned frontier adventures of the Jedi uh, set off some of the Nile, and certainly Markian personally, and I think we're going to get that a little bit more in his comic. No, absolutely. And we'll get a little bit more from uh, uh, the Santecas and, and Mars Santeca and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I, t- I totally forgot about it. Again, there, uh, not a shot at the Republic. There's so much content. You forget some little details, all the, unless you have it on a poster hanging on your wall. Uh, that's very fa- fascinating to me uh, of this idea of, uh, of uh, the Jedi. When they show up, there might be different views of who they are and what they are, depending on maybe your station in life and, and where you are. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, all all of the, the prospecting that I I think that will be going on. And that's, those are great tales of, of greed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Finally, young Yarl Poof. I hope uh, Yarl Poof is one of the stars. Uh, I'm with you on that there. I, I, you know, (laughs) I've been such a fan of uh, Porter Engel. So, uh, you know, um, I know I'm getting some with him. So some, some Yarl Poof would be, be good. Uh, other question I want to ask you about the future is um, I know we're not entirely at the end of phase one, but we had a pretty big end with this tentpole novel ending with them having uh, taken some huge wounds in Mark and Rowe <laughs> exclaiming to the galaxy that he won feels like a, a bit of a cliffhanger. Do you feel like phase three is, is coming back to this timeline? And if so, what do you want out of that? Yeah, look, I, I think I think we're gonna have a happy ending, right? We have to, right? It's Star Wars. Eventually, we have to get some happy endings. Uh, and I just I, I just would like to see these Jedi in this government learning to uh, perhaps connect with the disenfranchised. Is that how they defeat the Nile outside of Markian Rowe, who maybe doesn't even need those underneath them anymore? Uh, but how do you find that? And then and just this this theme of connection that, that you, you know, we're diving in here into here, but. Uh, Using the uniqueness of everyone for one shared goal is pretty powerful, but how within the Jedi Order, we're following so many Jedi going through all these big lessons 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, what are they going to learn from that? And what, how is that going to push the Jedi Order forward as a new generation emerges? Now, there's a lot of, you know, Bell is, and, and, and Briaga, knock on uh, uh, Shearwood that he survives there. Uh, I, I, I want to, um, you know, what would they, as they take over, because we still have 200 years to go to the next big time we see the Jedi in our Star Wars timeline, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot of room. Uh, and I think the Jedi learn in big lessons right now. And how do you, how do you uh, imply, uh, apply that to the Jedi Order? And there's a, the dark underside, just me, might be, I wonder how much does this whole series end? This is, this is a wild step there. But does this whole series end with the dark underside just being that the galaxy got comfortable? That they went through this, these big trials, mm. they came out on the under end, other end of it, and the next, genera- next generation feels too secure because there's a Phantom Menace looming. And is that... Does that connect up at all? Anyways, I nothing I need, but something I'm wondering. Yeah, I think that's really fresh. That's really interesting. I'm very curious to see how they sort of dovetail into like, this was the High Republic and uh, how do we segue into the fall of the Republic as the eras yeah. are now being uh, described. Yeah, I, I really think phase three is going to, got to come back to these characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, who knows if there'll be a time jump. I think there's going to be a lot of happy ending from the individual Jedi, right? Like, I think there's a power in like, do you, does the High Republic end by, you know, uh, Obi-Wan being five and hearing about the great Jedi Belzettifar, right? Like their individual triumphs, which are these Jedi become sort of, you know, well-known as, as, is great Jedi. Uh, and just as we're following them, like which, which characters have triumphs. I think there's going to be a lot of happy ending for the characters. And I think there's going to be this idea of, you know, the Nile and what other, other villains, uh, will be vanquished, uh, but at a cost, right? And yeah. uh, I, I love this idea that you're saying is, is the cost just complacency? Uh, mm. Because what I'm interested in is, is the cost fear of like, look, we made it through, the Nile really wounded the Republic, but look, we all stayed together, but now we see that we are vulnerable, so let's kind of retreat towards rigidity and group think from the Jedi, right? Of yeah. you know, we we really gotta we gotta keep everything <laughs> uh, locked tight. Um, right. it, does it lead to is is a part of the reason of having the the Santecas and the the other family Graf family, I believe? Um, is a part of this segue being like they really get their claws into the government, you know? Mm-hmm. It, so you really get that picture of yep, these threats were defeated, but the cost was. Uh, some damage to the underpinnings of the Jedi and the Republic that are going to be then exposed and worsened by old Palpatine. Oh, but yeah. Setting it up for old Palpy to come along and, and succeed is, is a big danger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the other utterly wild thing. Uh, do you think there's any possibility of phase three being uh, a Sith Lord beginning to sow some seeds? Like, obviously, uh, we're not going to have the Sith Lord be the main villain, making broadcast the whole galaxy, having big lightsaber fights with Yoda. But do you think it's possible that the Sith, that the Sith taking advantage of the pain and chaos created by the Nile uh, could be a part of the story? I, I absolutely do, especially if you you know if, if there's this idea that the the rule of two is still in effect and that there's two uh, two Sith out there just kind of hiding. Yep, <laughs> just looking back, watching this. Who's this Marky Rogue guy? He's kind of cool. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and it, look, uh, I'm not saying uh, you know this needs to end or should end with uh, you know Plagueis and his uh, his new pal Sheev, but that, that's something pretty intriguing. Uh, about um, uh, the Sith just kind of saying, all right, now now it's time. Yeah, now it's time. I think for me, the reason it occurs is it would feel 
earned, right? Like we know yes. from current canon that the the rule of two Sith, their goal is to slowly erode everything, and and Palpatine's the one who uh, masterfully brings it across the finish line. Uh, but the idea that they would be looking and going, hey, lots of erosion. <laughs> How can yeah. we get in on this uh, at the right time? I think it would feel so earned because we, the audience, has gone through this entire journey uh, with the Jedi. And it's not just, mm-hmm. hey, new Star Wars, brand new era, and the villains are Sith right at the top. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything else that we have not talked about that you wanted to t- touch on? Uh, no, I always like to summarize my thoughts and feelings here. It's been so fun to go through the High Republic. And it's always like we took because uh, I'm not reading the comics. I, I, it felt, I felt like I took like a little time off in the High Republic. And, and it was uh, nice to go back and revisit friends, even as they uh, fell from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that same way. It's like, how's Elzar doing? That bad, huh? All right. All right. Same as always. <laughs> Same as always. Yeah, I absolutely love the High Republic, and uh, this one really continued uh, the tradition, and I really am looking forward to the next couple books coming out and then jumping back in time. Uh, yeah. We like to wrap up with a fun question. Ken, if you were on the Starlight Beacon, would you want a Jedi to rescue you or one of the non-Force-sensitive people? Look, I'm looking to Geode and, and uh, Leox there. I, absolutely. I, I love you, Jedi, but uh, not not here, not now. I, I'm going with them. I'm grabbing a parachute and getting off this rock, this fallen rock, with my rock friend. Yeah, yeah. I think if I were going to ask a Jedi for help, uh, I mean, certainly Bell. Bell's the one who's got the best track record. Uh, but yeah. I believe in Stellan, so I'd, I'd, I'd want to ask Stellan for some help. Yeah. Uh, failing that, uh, or probably first, yeah, the vessel crew for sure. I, I would ask Affy for help. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Affy was a rock star in this book, uh, coming up with ideas and figuring things out. And uh, boy, that we, we could spend, this is already a long episode. We could even talk more about all of Affy's great uh, wrestling with whether or not to let go of the ship. Uh, uh, great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. Um, I would maybe, I trust Nan to get me off the ship as long as she doesn't want to stab me yeah 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 yeah. I, I would try to you know form that partnership not not an allyship but a partnership that would work as well yeah and, and right so the affy too yeah, affy's a great character i more adventures of the vessel crew looking forward to that yeah absolutely great stuff uh i i trust nan skill wise to get me off uh the station yeah. but <laughs> uh maybe my corpse dangerous how's that how's that to end a fun conversation to wrap up a fun question hey. It's it's fitting for the fallen star. Fitting for the fallen star. That is our big look at the fallen star. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are the Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center as well. We currently have an exclusive show over on the companion called Databank Dive. We tweet out uh, the promotion of that show, and that'll tell you how to get over there uh, or just look up the companion app uh, online there. And, uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com for more. Joseph, what do you got? You can find me on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, JosephScrimshaw.com for lots of other comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, uh, for Ember, the charhound that we didn't talk about anywhere near enough, this has been Force Center.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.